I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. This is Talking Points. We are into now our third quarter of the year. Whole lesson, lesson called Rest in Christ. And this week, lesson two is Restless and Rebellious. Yes. Kind of a heavy, ominous kind of sounding title a little bit. But Pastor Howard, you kind of walked through this one before. What, what, what are we looking at this week? Well, this week's lesson, last week we started the quarter on rest in Christ mm -hmm. and talked a lot about rest and the different words used in the Old and New Testament for rest. And, and so now at the end of last week's lesson, we talked about how the sin of our original, our first parents led to restlessness mm -hmm. in humanity. So now we're looking at restlessness and rebellion this week, restless and rebellious. And it's actually taking a sweep through the, the a few stories in the Old Testament, which we'll, talk, well, which we'll touch on in just a moment. Okay. So it's so a little bit tied to last week's and uh, that flow of thought we're hoping to see. We're going to at least draw yes. out here. So that's exciting. All right. Then we've got some I think this week we, I don't want to give away too much, but I think there might be more than three talking points. There are okay. four talking oh, points this week. It hurts, but it this was necessary. Is this yeah. is new. Well, you'll see why there were four talking okay, points. Okay, so we've got a lot to cover this week. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer, and you can walk us through those points. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. This important theme of rest is clearly all throughout Scripture. Help us to understand its application in our own lives, what your intent is, and how we can experience it in Jesus Christ. So bless us to that end, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Well, we alluded to this last week, but I'm just going to say it. This... <laughs> This quarterly starting out, and I'm having a little bit of a struggle with it because mm. it, uh, it, it, from a teaching standpoint, it almost feels like we're taking a theme and trying to superimpose it into where we want it to go. Not that mm. rest isn't a theme in the Bible, but for example, last week we talked about how there are many words for rest. And they all mean a little something different, a little facet. So then we get into restlessness and. And, and what type of rest or restlessness are we talking about from what, which kind of rest? And this week's lesson basically uh, says, read for this week, Numbers 11, 1 through 33, 12, 1 to 13, 13, 27 to 33, <laughs> 14, 1 to 23, and 14, 39 to 45. I, mean, I don't know why it just didn't say read, say read Numbers 11 to 14. <laughs> because the verses it left out, I, I just... So that's what I did as I read through the, okay. all those chapters. And so, which are powerful, it's a powerful experience in the history of Israel, but then it feels like we're going to try to fit this, this. Anyway, here's what I did with it. Okay. In, in looking through the story and trying to draw out uh, the points, point number one that I walked away with is that restlessness produces dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. Okay, and obviously we will flesh these out. Point number two, talking point number two, restlessness perpetuates envy and rebellion. Mm. So point number one is restless produces deception and restless perpetuates. So there's yes. a dual application. And it took okay. a while for me to come up with the wording for it, and you'll see why. Okay. Uh, number three, point number three, obedience is the cure for restlessness. <laughs> and I would leave it there, but I, I think I mentioned as we were reviewing this that that is so legalist loaded. Like that is such a, oh, obedient. Here we go again. In fact, in fact I think I'm we I'm guessing both, a lot of people would say obedience is the cause of restlessness. I'm so tense trying to obey all the time. We hear all the time little comments, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and I heard a comment this week that, oh, so you're going to be so behavior oriented and, and, and it, 
for some reason we can't talk in the church about obedience anymore. Mm. You know, it's like, and, and yet, as Seventh-day Adventists, we know that at the core, the heart of the great controversy is over the law of God, mm -hmm. in that before the law of God was ever broken, mm -hmm. there was perfect harmony. And in order for there to be perfect harmony again, we're going to have to keep the law of God. Now, we know we can't keep the law in our own strength. Yeah. But there is no returning to harmony without obedience to God. Mm. And we're going to see that in here. But because of that, so nobody gets the wrong idea, I added talking point number four. Mm -hmm. So three is obedience is the cure for restlessness, and number four is God's grace is the cure for disobedience. Okay. So obedience is essential, but we can't we can get only there without God's, God's grace. grace. So nobody can say, well, you said, no, mm -hmm. I didn't say, God's grace gets us there. But we, we have to understand that God's law is not an arbitrary law. <laughs> it, there was a purpose that God outlined those commandments the way he did because they are the solution to mm. So obedience is essential, but it's also impossible well, apart from Christ. That's exactly it. That's okay, exactly. so we got four to walk through now, so let's just go back to number one. Restlessness produces dissatisfaction. Flesh that okay, out. Okay, so this week's lesson, again, I, I, if, we, if you look at, why don't you read the last paragraph there on Sabbath afternoon? Sure. In this week's study, we look at some examples of strange human restlessness that was brought about not by impending natural disasters such as earthquakes, but rather by the basic sinfulness of fallen human beings who are not resting in what Christ offers all who come to him in faith and obedience. Okay, now I love that statement. I think it's a mm -hmm. great statement. But here's my real challenge there. It says that restlessness was brought about, came as a result of, the basic sinfulness of fallen human beings. Mm -hmm. Okay, sin resulted in restlessness. But then when we come to Tuesday, it says restlessness leads to rebellion. <laughs> well, rebellion is another word for sin. The great rebellion in heaven led to... So what came first, rebellion or the restlessness? <laughs> it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. <laughs> yes, and, and I can see it kind of in a vicious cycle, and that's where I, I kind of went with this. So restlessness, what I, what I started out with in drawing from the lesson is that restlessness produces dissatisfaction. The lesson tells us that restlessness came about as a result of sin. Mm -hmm. We looked at Cain's restless Cain, yeah. wanderer last week. We talked about the idea about how people are uh, fallen humanity in a state of restless wandering. Mm -hmm. And it's because we have not committed to Christ. And, and so how can there be rest? confidence, certainty, mm -hmm. contentment. And this is the word that I was kind of looking at, what, was came, what came to my mind, and the, the, the dissatisfaction. We see in Monday's lesson that you've got the account of the Israelites and the manna, and they begin complaining about the manna. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, why can't we eat the food we had in Egypt? Mm -hmm. You know, why do we got to eat this, this bread, right? This loathsome bread. Yeah, this loathsome So bread. what you see is a discontent. Mm. Uh, 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 they're they're complaining. They're not satisfied with what God has provided. Mm -hmm. They want something other than what God has provided, and they begin clamoring for it. Now, um, it's interesting. The lesson uh, quarterly on Sunday, mm -hmm. paragraph two. It's kind of a funny little statement there. I think. Do you have it there? You want yes. to read that? Because uh, in the context of them complaining about the wonderful things apparently they claim to enjoy in Egypt, yes. the lesson makes the point, they also must have suffered from severe selective memory when they remember the food 
and forgot the slavery, slavery, and unbelievable hardship. So right. they're pining to go back to Egypt. Remember those like, great times we had in Egypt, right? Uh, no, they weren't great times, and it, it's so it is kind of indicative of when we refuse Christ, mm-hmm. and we have that unsettled, that restlessness, like we're trying to find satisfaction in anything other than Christ. We're not going to find even it back there. in slavery times. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, and and it distorts even our viewpoint of things. Well, no, isn't this this would be great over here? No, it wouldn't be great over there. You Sin know? dulls and your senses. It and, sure, yeah. it sure does. Mm. And so, but that state of restlessness produces a dissatisfaction with the things of God. You mm-hmm. haven't connected with Christ. You haven't accepted Christ. And so you try to fill that with anything else, and nothing else is going to satisfy. So we see that in the story of the manna. And uh, are you looking up Philippians 4? Yeah, I just see that's the next one there. I was going to see how those two things relate. We go from the book of Numbers and now So the idea that restlessness, restlessness produces that, produces that dissatisfaction. And I'm kind of rolling that into a, a thought that comes into point number two as well. Mm. Because we go from the story of the discontent over the manna to... Aaron and Miriam's discontent in mm-hmm. leadership and envy that's produced, all of that is dissatisfaction. They're dissatisfied with what God has mm-hmm. given them, whether it be a leadership position, whether the food or whatever. And so that restlessness produces that dissatisfaction, whereas mm-hmm. rest in Christ produces contentment. Mm-hmm. And that's and this where is Paul Philippians can talk about here. Yeah. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul testifies, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And that's clearly not what the Israelites were experiencing. No, the yeah. right. But he goes on to explain, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's interesting, verse 13 we quote a lot, but it, Paul's context is interesting. Like, because I know that, that in essence I'm complete in Christ, as he said, mm-hmm. says in the book of Colossians, I'm content in everything. Yeah, he can roll with the punches of life because he's got the anchor in Christ. And that's a result of rest in Christ. So mm-hmm. that's where the restlessness produces the dissatisfaction. And so what I have in number two, point number two, kind of, we kind of lead into that. Restlessness perpetuates envy and rebellion. You have the dissatisfaction that's mm-hmm. exhibited in the in the manna situation. And then you have Aaron, the Aaron and Miriam situation. And then following that, you have the spying out the land and the rebelliousness that we see in, mm. in, in chapter 14 of the book of Numbers. And the lesson highlights those on Monday and Tuesday. And again, Tuesday says restlessness leads to rebellion. And the challenge I have with that is, no, the restlessness is a result of rebellion already. So mm-hmm. instead of the leads to idea... I inserted that word perpetuates. Right. So it was already there, but it doesn't mean it's a neutral thing. You can increase and, yes. and have, find even more things to be dissatisfied. So the restless with. discontent that comes from not choosing Christ, now I have an emptiness I have to fill. Right. Well, that results. And it just so eats up the rest of your life. Right? more and more dissatisfaction. But then it perpetuates the envy and rebellion because right. when you're dissatisfied, then you start looking at what other people have, and mm. you wish they had that, you had this, or you wish you had that, and 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 you don't want to be told what to do. You want to do it your way, and mm-hmm. so that it's really reproducing the character of Satan in that's us. That's exactly honestly. And, what and we're going to see happening. that, I believe, as we go on. In fact, uh, that's what the statement in Patriots from Prophets. I don't know if you were going to go there now. Well, let me just highlight that, okay. that when you read so Aaron, Aaron and Miriam in the story there in Numbers chapter twelve, uh, you know Moses after dealing with the people, mm-hmm. decided to appoint some other leaders to help out. Well, Aaron and Miriam were already leaders helping out, and so they were a little offended that Moses 
would pick other kind leaders. Now, the Bible brings yeah. out that, that they had a contention with Moses' wife not being a Hebrew, but that wasn't the root of the problem. And the lesson highlights that that wasn't the root of the problem. Mm. The root of the problem was they were a little annoyed that he would take other leaders beside themselves. Mm. And it's really interesting. So they, there was a spirit of envy that began to come about. And you think of Lucifer, who had the highest position of any created being, mm -hmm. and yet it still wasn't enough for him. Mm. Aaron and Miriam were leaders in the camp. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't enough for them to be leaders in the camp. If other people came even close to that, they started to yeah. uh, you know, cherish this spirit of envy. It's fascinating. And so, yes, in, in, in looking at that, I found this statement in the book Patriarchs and Prophets. Why don't you read that? Envy is one of the most satanic traits that can exist in the human heart, and it is one of the most baleful in its effects. I read that and I thought, wow, what a power. But then it is. It's the it's satanic only, She's not like using hyperbole. Trait. That's what Lucifer fell That's in, exactly. right? Exactly. Says the wise man, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Proverbs 27, 4. Mm -hmm. It was envy that first caused discord in heaven, and its indulgence has wrought untold evil among men. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Mm -hmm. James 3, 16. True. It should not be regarded as a light thing to speak evil of others or to make ourselves judges of their motives or actions. So now, we put ourselves in the place to start critiquing and criticizing and nudging and comparing ourselves and wanting to be above. Well, the Oof. next sentence in that in that passage in Patriarchs and Prophets quotes where James says, "He who judges his brother judges the law." You know, mm. and that that last sentence was actually part of the following paragraph. But when I read it, I thought, "Got to put it in that, there." That speaks to me, like how easy it is to look at somebody else and judge their motives. And yes. that's a lot of times we get intolerant because we assume a motive. Mm. And so that just that whole thing, the whole envying and strife, how true is that statement? Well, but we that, should judge. To be clear, though, you know, we're told to, you know, watch for the fruit and look for these things. So we shouldn't be not discerning. That's right. But at the same time, we shouldn't ascribe motive or we don't know the right. heart. And so we need to be careful to be make good choices based on what we can see, but right. not to go into We can call behavior wrong behavior. Exactly. Man can break into And it's funny, our society today, you know, that Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. Mm -hmm. And we've got, we get it backwards because, you know, a man bro breaks into a bank mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, Pastor Richard O'Phil used to say, if a man breaks into a bank, I'm going to call him a bank robber. Right? <laughs> He's a thief. Yeah. Right. But I can't tell why he robbed a bank. Right. Like, well, he had a hard family. He grew up this way. That's what Jesus is talking about. Like, you you, you have to judge the act as right or wrong. Yeah, it's the only thing we have access but to. But you can't yeah. judge the motive. Mm -hmm. But what do we do today? Well, I don't want to call him a bank robber because I don't know what his family background is. And we start judging the other things mm. we shouldn't have anything to do with. Interesting, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's something... For example, we look at the envy in the situation with Aaron and Miriam, and we can say that's wrong. We, it, we should take a lesson and be able to see that when we see that trait, it's an evidence that somebody's not resting in Christ. Mm. That that's, Restlessness perpetuates envy mm. and rebellion. It's not a restful attitude. So I can call that behavior wrong. I, don't, I can't read the motive, mm -hmm. and that's a little bit of what this statement is talking about. So that lack of contentedness leads to, leads to a desire whatever with, mm -hmm. of what others have. We see that. And uh, it's interesting, this, this other statement I included here, that when you begin to envy and look at others and desire what others have, it becomes this vicious perpetuating, which is what this point right. talks to, cycle that, that actually, for a Christian especially, a professed Christian, because mm -hmm. you can't be a true Christian, it takes you out of the realm of Christianity. Look at this statement here. Why don't you read what it says? It says, it is in working for others that we forget ourselves. 
But those who do nothing for their fellow men become morbid and self-centered, and time hangs heavily upon their hands. It is those who are not engaged in this unselfish labor who have a sickly experience and become worn out with struggling, doubting, murmuring, sinning, and repentant, repenting until they lose all sense as to what constitutes genuine religion. Okay, now here it starts to zero in. They feel they cannot go back to the world, and so they hang on the skirts of Zion, having petty jealousies, envyings, disappointments, and remorse. That seems like a descriptor mm -hmm. of restlessness, right? Yes. They find they're full of fault finding and feed upon the mistakes and errors of their brethren. They have only a hopeless, faithless, sunless experience in their religious life. What Oof. a miserable state of being. And these are people that are in the church. They hang on the skirts of Zion, but they're nitpicking mm. and fault-finding, much as we see with Aaron and Miriam in the story. So almost like your talking point says, restlessness perpetuates envy and rebellion. It could continue said, which in turn perpetuates restlessness, which perpetuates envy and it Yes, just it's a vicious itself. cycle. Mm. Now, I found it interesting also, the lesson, what is this uh, Tuesday's lesson, third paragraph, that starts out with this phrase. It says, when we are restless at heart, we struggle to walk by faith. And I looked at that. And so I've put in our notes. You modified the lesson, didn't you? <laughs> yes. And, and there's a strike through. In fact, I, I'd had it in, in the copy that I'm going to edit because I thought I had it here. There's a box that says that this strike through is not accidental. It's intentional. Mm. In other words, the quarterly, I have it as the quarterly reads, but I struck it out. When we are restless at heart, we struggle. To walk by faith? No. And I changed it to, it is impossible to walk by faith. Mm. Restless at heart means I'm not in Christ. And if I'm not in Christ... And the only peace we have is faith in Christ I can't, if I don't have I that. can't exercise faith if I'm not... Like, I struggle. No. Yeah, you struggle, all right. You're not going <laughs> to... There's no. There's nothing in you or me, which is going to lead into our next point. Who was the pioneer who was, who was writing about? I think it was Jones. Uh, it might have been Jones. One of the Jones or Wagner. Yes. But he was writing about how... He meets so many people who said, I'm just so discouraged, trouble, fighting this, all this sinfulness. Yes. I'm just, I'm almost ready to give up. And he said, if, how does yeah. he say it? if only you would totally give right. up, you'd find the peace you need. You know? That's exactly uh, right. That until we surrender to Christ, we're going to be restless. Right. And that restlessness, if we're restless at heart, it's impossible to walk by faith because mm. that restlessness is a result of not trusting in Christ. Mm. Okay. And we're going to see that as we go. So leading into point number three, obedience is the cure for restlessness. Now, in each segment of just the lesson this week, whether it be the manna or the situation with Aaron and Miriam, or whether it be with um, the Kadesh Barnea and spying out the land and going in to take the land, if in any of those or all of those cases, the people had simply obeyed what God said, they would not have been restless. The whole <laughs> restlessness of humanity came yes. when man disobeyed God's From law. From page one, how different would the Bible be if every <laughs> encounter we see, they just obeyed? <laughs> now, this is not saying that we obey in our own strength. Nope. But if we don't understand this key point, this principle that the only way we're going to find rest is obeying Christ, we're not going to go in the right direction. Now, sure, we can't do it in our own strength, but why would I even seek the strength of Christ? Mm. And, and maybe this is the problem today, that a lot of people want to seek the forgiveness of Christ without the strength of Christ. Mm. Like, forgive me and let me just keep on going. And we see that in the story. In fact, the lesson brings that out. It calls it presumption, right? The Israelites, mm -hmm. they went in to conquer the land. Well, they didn't conquer the land. They came back with a faithless report. And God said, well, because of your faithless report, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're like... I don't like the idea of wandering in the wilderness for it. Hey, okay, we'll go up and take the land. And the guy's like, the rules change. Like, yeah. 
Now you're on your own. Now it's be in the wilderness. No, no, no. We're going to go and take the land like you said. No, I didn't say. Now I said wander in the wilderness. So they rebelled yet again Mm. instead of obeying the voice of the Lord. Mm. And, of course, the lesson highlights that um, had they obeyed the Lord in in any one of those circumstances, even in the wandering in the wilderness and just submitted to Mm. the Lord, uh, they would have found that rest. And I've highlighted Matthew 11. I don't know if you have that. I have that, 28 and 29. Now, this is a well-known rest text. It's a well-known text, but when you think about what he's saying, it seems almost counterintuitive, right? He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He adds, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle Mm -hmm. and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He keeps talking. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. We're like, amen. He says, so put my yoke on you. Well, what's a yoke? yoke? It's it's, it's a device to harness animals animals and oxen. Only when they're working. Yeah, it's a working tool. You don't see an animal that wears a yoke wearing it when he's resting. He wears it when he's working. Right. So he's like, come to me and work with me and I'll give you rest. That's right. This seems uh, counterintuitive in our so, mind. So the rest that in the context, Jesus says, take my yoke and you'll find rest, you see the immediate direct context that just as the animal's working, if it's a yoke, it's working with Christ and we find rest that way. Mm. But there's, some, there's another element in there and that's the element of obeying Christ. And mm. Ellen White highlights it in Mount of Blessings 101. She says, if you will seek the Lord and be converted every day, If you will of your own spiritual choice be free and joyous in God, if with gladsome consent of heart to his gracious call you come wearing the yoke of Christ. Notice how she describes it. The yoke of Christ, the yoke of obedience and service, Mm. all your murmurings will be stilled, all your difficulties will be removed, all the perplexing problems that now confront you will be solved. You'll find rest. Mm. And that's exactly she defines it as the yoke of obedience and, and service. service. Yeah. And that should be straightforward common sense. How in the world can I expect to find rest when I'm disobeying Christ? Mm. And so as much as now the challenge that people have is they say, well, that makes it sound like we we're gonna save ourselves by our obedience. That's not what we're saying. That's why I added uh, yes, point, point number four. four. Is coming, yeah. But before we get to point number four, the lesson on uh, Thursday takes actually Thursday and Friday dives a little bit into the idea of presumption because again the Israelites after they refused to do what God said and God changed direction mm-hmm. God changed the plan the game plan and said you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years then they said um, no we're not we're going to go and conquer land and they were warned it's like no 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 don't go in now you're going to get wiped out and sure enough they went contrary to God's will it's a mess. they got wiped out and the lesson highlights that as their their uh, presumptuous response. In fact, the lesson quarterly's uh, lesson on Thursday makes this point. Um, paragraph five. It says Israel's rebellious turnaround, reported in the last verses of Numbers fourteen, results in death and disappointment as the Israelites now refuse to accept God's new directions and stubbornly launch an attack without the Ark of the Covenant or Moses' leadership. So they did what God said before. Only they did it now when he said not to do it. Right. So it's like, oh, we're going to do what you said. No, you're going to do what I said back there. Well, it's almost like they're trying to work their way back into plan A. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you've already made a choice now. We've got to go here. Yeah. So uh, why don't you read what Ellen White has to say there? Yeah, commenting on that in Desire of Ages 126. Presumption is Satan's counterfeit of faith. Faith claims God's promises and brings forth fruit in obedience. Presumption also claims the promises 
but uses them as Satan did to excuse transgression. It is not faith that claims the favor of heaven without complying with the conditions on which mercy is to be granted. Yeah, so let's clarify. They both claim the promises. <laughs> well, and, and this, this quote is found on Friday's lesson. It's the second paragraph. But just the terminology, because we get lost in this sometimes. She says, faith claims God's promises and brings forth fruit in obedience. So there's the obedience. Presumption also claims the promises, but uses them to excuse transgression. Okay, but what does that look like? To excuse transgression, that's to excuse sin. What is sin? It's rebellion or disobedience, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of times people even read this and miss the point. And the point is presumption is a way to excuse yourself from obeying what God said while still coming across as uber spiritual. Mm -hmm. Having this pious patina yeah. to everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did so she mention? So they made it sound like the Israelites. Oh, we're going to obey God. They try to, you know, on the surface it may look like no, we're gone because God told us to go into the land. Well, you're not going with His blessing now, and right. so it was a way of looking like it was being obedient when it was totally. Well, and, and she was talking about using the promises of. God, as Satan used them, and I'm thinking of the temptation in the wilderness where he's like, doesn't scripture say you can cast yourself yes. down? And he's like, well, it doesn't say you can cast yourself down, but mm -hmm. and he used it in a way to try to manipulate Jesus out of obedience. And so just because you have a scripture passage to go with it or the name of Jesus behind it doesn't yes. mean that it's being used the way God intended it. Right. Um, so that's an important lesson. Well, in the last sentence in that quote was it talked about complying with the conditions on which mercy is... What are those conditions? It's obeying Obedience. God's will. Yep. Okay. So again, leading into that last talking point, number three, obedience is a cure for restlessness. Number four, God's grace is a cure for disobedience. So we need to obey so we're no longer restless, but we can't obey without God's grace. Amen. And so... Lesson Thursday's lesson highlights that when the people of Israel sinned yet again, in fact, in the, in the narrative it says these ten times now, you know, mm -hmm. so over and over, Moses goes as intercessor, and it's fascinating. The lesson doesn't highlight it, but Moses pleads God's own claim. You know when God showed Moses his glory? Moses mm -hmm. said in, in Exodus 33, mm -hmm. show me your glory, and God says, I'll proclaim my name to you, and pass all my goodness before you. All my you. goodness will bef pass before you, and then Exodus 34 comes, and he says, the Lord, the Lord God, gracious, merciful, abounding in goodness and truth, etc., etc. That is what Moses quotes back to God, and he says, listen, you said you were abounding in goodness and truth, and you were a merciful God, and, you know, have mercy on this people. And there's more to that story that we don't have time to get into, but Moses appeals to God's merciful character in the face of yet another Israelite rebellion, and it's that greatness of God's mercy that we rest in. Mm. I mean, that's the foundation of our rest, that God is a forgiving God, He's a merciful God, and God has power to transform our lives. And we mm. look to Him to bring us back into harmony with His will, so that we can, through, through that experience, we can find rest in Christ mm. and rest from our restlessness. So, so if we want a cure for the restlessness, we need obedience, but we can't have the obedience if we don't have the grace of Christ That's exactly to bring right. us there. And so it, it's two sides of the same coin. We that's have exactly to have right. Well, that's imp very, very important stuff. And you have a concluding uh, uh, statement so, down so here. So the concluding statement actually is a quote that came from the teacher's helps. It wasn't in this lesson, but it was in the teacher's lesson okay. in, the, in the helps afterwards. And it's a fascinating quote from Patriarchs and Prophets. Why don't you look at uh, page 294, Patriots and Prophets. Jesus is our friend. All heaven is interested in our welfare. It is not the will of God that his people should be weighed down with care. He does not propose to take his people out of the world of sin and evil, but he points us to a never-failing refuge. 
He invites the weary and care-laden, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Lay off the yoke of anxiety and worldly care that you have placed on your own neck, and, quote, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. May we find rest and peace in God, casting all our care upon him, for he cares for us. Hmm. Take my yoke upon you, and it's bringing back that idea. Take off the yoke you've put on your own neck. It's so interesting, and, the one that you've put on your own neck. Yes. yes. That anxiety. And I love that. You know, we may find rest and peace in God, casting our care upon him, for he cares for us. Quoting from 1 Peter 5, 7. We can find true rest, but we only find it in Christ. Amen. And that's... And that's Not our, just a good lesson for this week, but I think that's the whole premise of this quarter. In fact, yeah, it's hey, called that's a, what an idea. Rest right. in Christ. So praise the Lord for that lesson. Let's close today with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the rest that we can find only in Christ. We find, you know, so many temptations and discouragements and distractions when we try to leave that path of simple faith. But Lord, give us that faith of Jesus who is obedient in all things. And Lord, for us, not in our own strength, but we know we need to find it in Christ. And we thank you for providing it amply for anyone who desires it, that we say still come to you and find rest today. Thank you for all of these blessings, for we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.